The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and he hid. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Matthew, and we're also going to be in the book of Exodus. Uh, we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 13, and I entitled this message, Treasure. Now, everybody in life seems to have some kind of treasure, something that's special to you. So a treasure could be defined as anything that's considered valuable, uh, precious, uh, to that particular individual. It could be a costly keepsake that's been handed down to you or a high-priced collectible that you might have. Yet it could also be something that you cherish, you know, like a inherited collection or something like that, something that's been in your family. Yet, as you know, some collect worthless things, let's say, okay? We all have different appetites, and we all might have a different idea of what a true treasure really is. So let's read that as we start here in Matthew chapter 13. If you look at verse 44, Jesus speaking, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and he hid. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Interesting. That's an interesting perspective of treasure. So now, it's like the simple meaning to this parable that Jesus gives. And we know what a parable is. A parable is is an earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. So the simple you know, definition of this parable uh, is finding the way to heaven would be like finding buried treasure in a field. Now, if you knew that there was buried treasure in some remote field in like some worthless place, well, I hate to say worthless, it's not worthless, but a, a place that, you know, like that not everyone wants to live at. Maybe it's a, a, a little town outside of Bakersfield, or, you know, maybe it's a little place outside of Barstow or something. I mean, not just your typical vacation capital of the world is all I'm saying. But if you found some remote field out in some desert part, you know, past Barstow or something, and and you knew that there was buried treasure there, you know, you would say, well, I would sell everything I had to go buy that field. And if you bought that field, then you would be the rightful owner of everything on and buried in that field. And that's how we are to look at our salvation, the hope of heaven. We should see heaven as it truly is. Heaven is a treasure. Now, understand the, the most treasured object a man or a woman could ever obtain in this life is to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior into their heart. Because what if we were to find some great wealth in this 
world here that we live in, like some do, right? Some become a famous sports hero, sports star, and they get some crazy, uh, you know, max contract of $150 million or $200 million for the next four or five years. And, you know, so they're making 20, 30, $40 million a year. And, and they have all these, you know, endorsements from Nike and different shoe companies and all of this. And they just start making crazy amounts of money. So what if something like that was to happen to you and, and popularity came your way? But when you died... You didn't go to heaven, like many people in this world do. They obtained so much, but yet they never got right with Christ. You know, this, of course, would echo what Jesus said in Matthew sixteen twenty six, where he says, Well, what does a man or a woman profit if they were to gain the whole world, yet forfeit or lose their own soul? Like, like what do you gain if you had all this excess in this world, but yet when you died, you simply lost it all. You know, I've done a tremendous amount of funerals uh, since I've been a pastor in the last 25 years. And, and one thing that I know is nobody can take anything with them. They leave it all behind. Their families are fighting for their stuff. It's like no one is taking anything with them. Yet people still want to take things with them anyway. So all through history, people have tried to take things with them. We have guys in modern day that are buried in their cars as if they can somehow, you know, drive their car in the next life or something. You can go all the way back to the ancient Egyptians, you know, King Tut. He was buried with everything. They buried him with tons of gold all around him. They buried him with seeds to plant a garden wherever he was going to end up in some afterlife, you know. See, they believed in an afterlife of some kind. They just didn't know what it was like, so... They made sure that they buried these Egyptian kings with all this gold so they would still be rich in the next life. You know, they even buried him with a boat paddle. What was that for? I have no idea, you know, but they had buried him with a boat paddle. He even had a boomerang in his tomb that they dug up for King Tut. While Bill Hickok, who was killed during a poker game, he was buried with his trusty rifle. You never know, you know, might need it in the next life. Sir Walter Raleigh was uh, buried with his favorite pipe in a tin of smoking tobacco. I guess, uh, you know, you might need a puff of smoke there in the next life. Humphrey Bogart, the famous uh, classic movie actor, was buried with a gold whistle inscribed on it, if you need anything, just whistle. That whistle never went off. Just want you to know. It's all ridiculous. You can't use anything. You can't take anything with you. You, Just nothing. For people have dug up the tombs of the pharaohs and the kings of Egypt. And guess what? All the gold was still there. That's how we know that there was a boat paddle there because we dug it up. And it's like everything was still there. They didn't take anything with them. Thousands of years later, the stuff is dug up and there it is. You know, all the gold gifts, all still there. I guess that's why Job said in Job chapter 1, Naked I came into the world, and naked I'll return. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, I can't take anything with me in the next life. 
So what can we learn from all of this? If our main treasure in life is anything other than Jesus Christ, that treasure will never leave the earth. So it's like we have to think about this as believers. Any of everything that we have here, we can't take. So there must be other treasure that we can store. See, true treasure is eternal. And it's available to all of us. And that, again, is salvation. And that's a free gift from God. And heaven is promised to only those who believe in him. But again, understand, we can invest in our future home called heaven. We can invest there. We can invest in our eternal home. Once we have accepted Christ into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, then we can build on that foundation, which is Christ. Yes, without question, there is a treasure available for all of us in heaven. And we can add to that treasure by making treasury deposits. How about that? You can make treasury deposits in heaven. You do it by doing things in this life, and it adds to your treasure in heaven. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, back up a few chapters, and that will bring up how are we to store up treasure in heaven? That's what Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven. So let's read about it, and that Jesus makes it really clear in the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures upon the earth. Because if you have this big old fat bank account, you have all this stuff, you have all these things that you've collected, it's like it's going to mean nothing when you die because basically someone else is just going to come in and take it. So he says, do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. I mean, treasures on earth. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be wise with your finances and have, you know, a little reserve and everything in case something happens. That's not talking about that. It's just saying where your true treasure is. He goes, because what you store up here on earth, moth and rust will destroy and thieves can break in and steal. You ever have someone steal your stuff? Isn't that like a massive violation? I mean, it's like, I remember, you know, buying new tools and having new tools. And I was working in construction and someone stole my tools out of my car. It's like, this is my livelihood and you're taking my tools. And then I've had people break in our house. I've had people steal my Harley Davidson out of my garage. And that's a low blow, okay? That is a low blow. You don't take a guy's motorcycle. But anyway, I've had it all happen to me. But he goes on in verse 20, he says, But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wow, this is a really important portion of scripture for us to really think about for when we get to heaven. So understand, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. We're not saying that. Nothing wrong with you collecting something. You might have some collection that's really nice. That's fine. Something of great value you could have. That's fine. You know, a treasured relationship, having fun. There's nothing wrong with these things. Yet if a person, a place, or a thing has consumed us in our heart more than it consumes what we should be doing with the Lord. Now that's where the problem starts coming in. See, none of these things can take place of how important God should be in our life. And that means it would be out of order. 
So let me just ask you here tonight, where is your treasure? So don't, you know, just think it to yourself here. What do you really treasure in life? Where is your main treasure? Because that is where your heart is. See, where you, what you treasure the most, that, God says, is where your heart is. And if your heart is out of order, then one day when you stand in the presence of our glorious God, you will stand empty-handed before him. And remember, everybody will stand before God one day. And if all we treasured were the things that we had here on this earth, then they will stay right here on this earth as we stand before God empty-handed. So again, as Jesus put it, moth and rust will destroy them and thieves can break in and steal. But yet on the other hand, if our priorities are really right where God wants our priorities, then it's possible to make heavenly deposits. Yes, we cannot take any of our treasures here on earth to heaven with us, but we can store other treasures in heaven. We can make these, again, what we're calling here treasure deposits. Now, again, you might wonder to yourself, well, how do we do that exactly? How do I make a treasury deposit in heaven? Because I know that if I'm going to add money to my bank account, I go to the bank and I make a deposit. Okay, so I know how to do that here on earth, but how do I make this heavenly deposit? Okay, well, we do this as we stand right with the Lord. So let's look at a couple different ways we can do this because when we make these treasure deposits in heaven, moth and rust cannot destroy and nothing can steal them. So how again do we make this investment in this heavenly treasury account? The Bible says it like this in 1 Timothy 6 eight. So we just make a notation to that. 1 Timothy 6 eight says, instruct them to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Okay, well, this puts a little bit of insight on how do we make these treasury deposits in heaven. So not only can we store up Or a better way of saying that is amassing treasure in heaven, but we're also able to take hold of life itself here as we're adding treasure in heaven and obtain the true purpose for our existence. So we must be willing to be, what did it say there? It said to be rich in good works. Rich in good works. So when we're rich in good works here, it stores up treasure in heaven there. Again, we're not saved by good works. So it's not like, well, I'm doing these good works to somehow earn favor with God and and be a good boy and a good girl. No, 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 no. We're saved by the grace and mercy of God. We're saved because he came and took our sin upon his body, died on the cross for our sin. We can't earn salvation. There's nothing we can do to get it. It's a free gift of God. No works can get us there. It's just a free gift of God. But now that we are saved, God asks us to do good works. Not to gain salvation, but because of salvation. Because we're already saved. So we're called to be rich in good works. 
It says in the book of James, he says, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. See, I'm saved, and I'm going to show you that faith by simply watching how I live. Because now I want to live to please God. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want his will to be unfolded in my life. So I'm going to be rich in good works. Again, not to get salvation somehow. I'm already saved. It's because he loved me and saved me. I'm going to do this. So every Christian should be rich in good works, meaning we should all be filled with those things and seeking after, you know, places to serve. Lord, how can I serve you today? Yes, we have to go through our routine. We have to go through and do what we do. But everywhere I go, you know, in the midst of doing what I have to do, I still want to spread the love of Jesus wherever I go. So it doesn't matter if it's someone that, you know, is at a restaurant, I'll start talking to the server, I'll start sharing Christ with them. It's like wherever I go, I just try to do that, okay? So again, I'm not doing that to try to, you know, score brownie points. I'm doing that because that's what I desire to do. I want to be an example to this world. I want to be the person that if God wants to share with the toll booth lady and just say, you know, like, hey, how's your day today? Hey, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. It's like, if I can just brighten up someone's day a little bit, because God would have everyone to know in Los Angeles that he loves them. He would, he would want them to know that. So there's just people that are grumpy. Have you ever noticed that in L.A.? Maybe you're one of them. I don't know. But these people are grumpy around here. People are just, eh, they're just grumpy. You know, so I try to go out of my way if I'm walking to the post office. And I'll see the reflection behind me of someone's walking behind me. I'll stop and I'll open the door and I'll let them come in. Someone drops something. I'll pick it up and I'll hand it back to them. I, I just, I try to be polite. It's like I try to shine the love of Jesus wherever I go because Don't you think God would want people to know that he loves them here? So people are grumpy. So, hey, how's it going today? Today just bites it. I don't like it. Well, you know what? I just want you to know that God loves you. You know, like, hey, man, no matter what's going on today, I just want you to know that there's a God in heaven. He loves you. He came to this earth. He died so that you could be forgiven. I want people to know that. See, so when you do this good works, when you're reaching out to people just in your everyday lifestyle, it is actually making deposits in heaven. Now, am I doing this to get deposits in heaven? No, but that's a fruit of it. That's what happens. In fact, just so you know that I am not doing this to try to store up some huge bank account in heaven, you can have my treasure. Here, before the Lord, you take it. I don't care. When I get to heaven, I just want to be in heaven. So you guys can have whatever treasure I've amassed. If there's any up there at all, you can have it. Because I don't care because I'm not going to be jealous of you. I'm not going to be covetous of you if you have a bigger mansion in heaven than me. You know why? Because we have no sin nature in heaven. So I can be, I can just rejoice in you. Wow, like Charlie's going to have this giant mansion in heaven. You know, I always tease him about it, like, hey, Charlie, you know, when we get to heaven, Jesus says he's going to have a place built for us. I go, you're probably going to have a giant mansion up there. I'll probably just have a pup tent. So do you mind if I come to your place and stay in one of your rooms? And Charlie's told me I can. So, you know, I'll just be hanging out at Charlie's place, you know. But the point is, you know, that it's like, it's not to try to get something extra, but it's like God has made a point to put this in his word. 
Whatever's in his word is there for a reason. So if you know you can't take anything on this earth with you, some of you just are barely skimping by. Others of you are young. You haven't started collecting stuff yet. Maybe some of you are older and you've, you've been able to amass a few things. It's like you can't take it with you. So now God has given us a possibility of like, hey, we're going to store some treasure up in heaven. And again, you can have mine. My treasure is just to get to heaven. I just want to get there. So these are the things that we can do. We can live and serve God here. And that, again, stores up treasure. You know, and so would your life up to this point, think about this, would your life up to this point be rich in good works? Would you be like, you know, would you like be able to say like, wow, I've been actually trying to be who God wants me to be and I'm doing these, you know, rich good works and there's, I'm actually storing some treasure in heaven. It's like, you know, you might think, well, I don't know. I don't really think about it. I haven't really thought about it that way. Well, Start thinking about it that way. Start thinking about the fact that God wants us to store treasure in heaven. Again, just like what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where is your treasure? What's your main priority? It's like, well, if it starts becoming the Lord, if it starts becoming, God, I want to be who you want to be, now your treasure is in the right place. What is the most important thing for you? If you're seeking after God's will for you, then you will find a place in this life in the midst of all of your circumstances. You're going to find meaning in your life. There's all kinds of things that are happening around us, and it's so easy to get caught up in the drama that is around us. But yet, God says, man, would you put me first? Then all these other things that used to make so much noise in our life and to be so mind-consuming for us, they will start to pass away, and the noise will be less and less. I wonder if there are any here tonight that need to make a treasure deposit in heaven. That you're like, you know, I need to start doing things that God would have me to do. A deposit of being used by God. That I would be his hands in something, or I would be his touch. I would be his smile in someone's life. And, you know, I'll be his helping hand to someone in need. For that's not only well-pleasing to the Lord, but again, it's a treasury deposit in heaven. Remember what Jesus will say one day. He will say this. If you hear Matthew, you can flip over to chapter 25. Say, I told you we'd be all over the place here tonight. But in Matthew 25, verse 34, Jesus said this, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So when's he going to say this to us? When we stand before him in the end. Verse 35 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. Now, imagine you're standing before Jesus, and he's saying this to you. And you're thinking to yourself, you were hungry and I gave you something to eat. You know, you're thirsty. You know, you were a stranger and you invited me in. Verse 36, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, this will be like us, and will answer him saying, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry? I don't remember seeing you hungry and fed you. Or when did I see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you, you know, sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it as to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it as unto me. And so, you know, we have to start thinking about things in a different perspective. Every day, you know, again, opening a door for someone. Someone drops something. Yeah, too bad for you. You're kind of a mess. You know, no, no, help them out. And it's like every time you're just spreading a little bit of Jesus around. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.